My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Taking its cue from sacred scripture, the liturgy of the church and its worship of you, Lord, often talks about the Magnalia Day, the Magnalia Day, the mighty works of God. And there's another expression like it, which are the Mirabilia Day, the wonders of God. And today, Lord, we celebrate one of these mighty works, one of these wonders of God, of your love, of your grace. The Assumption of Our Lady. It's truly a mighty work of God, a wonder of God. And in a way, Our Lady's whole existence And Our Lady's whole story is really one of these, a mighty work of God, a wonder of God. Our Lady is one of God's great masterpieces, outdoes himself in creating his mother without sin, filling her with all grace, giving her all. And her response, her holiness, is also a mighty work of God, that there could be someone so pure, so holy, so good, And those of us who live in cities, and all of us live in a kind of secularized world, sometimes it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget that God works wonders, that God is the God of great signs and miracles. And it's good for our faith. It's good for our faith to realize that God can and does work wonders. God is all-powerful. It's the God signs and miracles. Not that we should be miracle mongers, kind of obsessed with visions and extraordinary signs of holiness or anything like that. But it's good for us to reflect on the miracles that are that are in front of us every day. It's good for us in particular, Lord, to go out and to see and appreciate the beauty and the and the wonder of nature. It's the first Magnalia day, it's the first Mirabilia day outside of himself, creation. It's a reminder that God can and does work wonders, that he's all-powerful. And so it's good for us to get out of the house at least once a week to go for a walk or a jog or a bike ride. Preferably to a park, right? Somewhere with trees. Get out of the concrete jungle. And to go perhaps once a month or so on a longer excursion 
And we do this not just for the absolute bare minimum of exercise or psychological rest. I go crazy if I don't get out of here. I go crazy if I don't jog, whatever. That's true too. But we do this, Lord, as an opportunity for contemplation, to get out and to see the ocean and to be in the woods and maybe sometimes to go mountain climbing, to see the mountains. And our soul can more easily realize that God is wonderful and his works are wonderful. And the feast days of the church, especially, especially big ones like today's feast day, are similar opportunities for our soul. They're opportunities to realize that God is wonderful and his works are wonderful to stop and to gaze upon the wonders of God. So Lord, we ask you for the grace today to look at this mystery, at this mirabilia day, the assumption of our lady body and soul into heaven and to wonder at the goodness of your mother and at the goodness of you who performed this work for her. To gaze in wonder and admiration, joy. And it's an opportunity also to reaffirm our faith, to make a great act of faith, to reaffirm what we really believe. And it's an opportunity, I think, particularly this feast day, to say, look, I believe in the whole story, right? I believe in the whole history of salvation as the tradition of the church has passed it on to us and as the magisterium has officially taught. Our Lord's life and Our Lady's life are not just a source of inspiration, not just something that has a good effect on our moral or psychological condition. the real events, the real realities, real realities, that's uh, kind of stupid, but anyway. So Lord, I want, I want true faith. St. Thomas Aquinas sa says that faith is not about the words, but when we make an act of faith, we go through the words and access the reality. When you say, I believe in God the Father, you're not believing in a statement. Your mind goes through the words to the reality. And sometimes, Lord, I can be a little bit too timid, a little, a little bit too intellectual in thinking about my faith. We can be a little bit too timid. We can think, well, Christianity has a positive influence on society or on my life. Or we think about the importance of these beliefs, these thoughts, right, in some other way. How it helps people live, cope with trouble, have dignified lives. But none of those, none of those effects really are lasting or helpful unless we really believe. Unless we get back to basics. Like, I believe that this is true. I have faith. Lord, I believe in the redemption. I believe in creation. I believe in you, Jesus Christ. And today, Lord, I specifically believe that as true man, you had a mother. 
And I believe in the supernatural and historical event we celebrate today, that you wanted your mother with you in heaven, and so you drew her to yourself. She was assumed into heaven. In the Apostolic Constitution, which declared this as, as a dogmatic teaching of the Church, 1950, Pius XII, Munificentissimus Deus, which is hard to say once, you know, good luck saying it 12 times in a row real fast. <laughs> Munificentissimus Deus. He points out that when the early, when the church fathers, those first centuries, referred to this mystery, he says, they're not making anything up. They're just, they're just calling to mind, making people aware of what, of what was always believed. And then he cites St. John Damascene, doctor of the church, as a kind of particular um, powerful example of this witness to the tradition. Thus St. John Damascene, Pope Pius XII wrote, who is the greatest exponent of this tradition, compares the bodily assumption of the revered Mother of God with her other gifts and privileges. And then here's the sermon from St. John Damascene. It was right that she who had kept her virginity unimpaired through the process of giving birth should have kept her body without decay through death. It was right that she who had given her creator as a child a place at her breast should be given a place in the dwelling place of her God. It was right that the bride espoused by the father should dwell in the heavenly bridal chamber. It was right that she who had gazed on her son on the cross, her heart pierced at that moment by the sword of sorrow that she had escaped at his birth, should now gaze on him seated with his father. It was right that the mother of God should possess what belongs to her son and be honored by every creature as God's mother and handmaid. So that this privilege, in a certain sense, is fitting. It's in line with everything else that God had gifted her with. It makes sense. And Pius XII himself concludes, So then, the great mother of God, so mysteriously united to Jesus Christ from all eternity by the same decree of predestination, immaculately, immaculately conceived, an intact virgin throughout her divine motherhood, a noble associate of our Redeemer, as he defeated sin and its consequences, received, as it were, the final crowning of privilege of being preserved from the corruption of the grave and following her son in his victory over death, was brought body and soul to the highest glory of heaven to shine as queen at the right hand of that same God, the immortal king of ages. So, Lord, we ask you for the grace of faith 
to believe this, to affirm our faith in it. And Lord, help that grace of faith enter into our time of prayer so that we can peer into heaven, so that we can peek into heaven and see the glory of Our Lady, the Magnalia Dei, the holiness of Our Lady. And I think it's common sense that our Lord would want his mother in heaven and not just her soul, but her body as well, right? He wanted his mother. He didn't want his mother's ghost. I believe this, Lord. You wanted your mother with, with, with you in heaven with body and soul. And so you drew her to yourself when the time was right. What a, what, a, what a more natural desire. Our Lord is there. Our Lord ascended into, he ascended into heaven, body and soul. And what's more natural than that, right? To want to have your mom with you. You wanted her there, Lord, so that she could look at you with the same eyes with which she watched over you as a child. You wanted her there, Lord, so that she could love you with the same heart with which she loved you on earth. The same heart, Lord, that pumped blood into your developing body while you were still in the womb. You wanted her there, Lord, so that she could embrace you with those same arms with which she used to carry you around as an infant. Embrace you throughout your life, those arms which embrace you even in your death. And those arms which are open to us who are her children in Christ. This is what we believe that our Lord wanted his mother with him physically, that same body from which his body came. And we do this, Lord, without shame or excuses. But with, but with pride, proudly and gratefully. Thank you, Lord, for our Catholic faith. Thank you, Lord, for our mother. Help me, Lord, to have more faith. I believe. Choose to have faith. The Catechism of the Catholic Church says well, faith is a gift, it's a grace, but it's also a human act, and so it, it kind of underlines faith is free. We can choose to have more faith. We can choose to have a deeper faith. Lord, help me not to sit around waiting to have more faith, but to ask for it and to exercise it. And to exercise it today. This is what we believe today, Lord. Our Lady is truly in heaven, body and soul. And so are you. There's a wonderful church. Many of you have been there. <clears throat> In Rome, Santa Maria in Trastevere. And it's actually the oldest church that exists in Rome in its original form. And in the apse, there's this wonderful, very large mosaic, which shows Our Lady and Our Lord sitting together in glory in heaven. 
And there's this wonderful detail that our that our Lord has his arm around our lady's shoulder. And you can kind of see his hand sticking out of the other side of, of our lady. And so it helps it helps one contemplate the affection that our Lord had for his mother on earth and continues to have in eternity. A tremendous affection that our Lord must have for his mother. Lord, you are a perfect man, and you have a perfect manly heart. And that natural affection that a son has for, for his mother existed ever more tenderly, ever more keenly in our Lord. How much our Lord, how much our Lord loved his mother on earth, how much he loves her in heaven. And that detail is not just the work of Christian imagination, but it must be true right there, their body and soul. You can't imagine that they're kind of wandering away from each other a lot. They've got to be close together. And maybe this is how it works, you know, that they're there close to each other and our prayers reach Our Lady when we pray those Hail Marys for that rosary. And then when one particular intention strikes home because of its urgency or because of our faith or because Our Lady thinks it's good for us, and she squeezes our Lord's hand or gives him a little elbow on the side and says, look at that faith, look at that need, look at that child of mine, that brother of yours. And, and our Lord is moved by Our Lady's closeness and by her request. Behold your mother. Behold your mother, Lord. You tell St. John at the foot of the cross that when he sees her, when he sees Mary, your mother, he should see his mother. Behold, see, behold, look. Look at your mother. And so, Lord, we, we dare, we dare to ask you with a great confidence in you and a great confidence that you've said this to each one of us, behold your mother, to ask you for an even greater devotion, tenderness to your mother than we've had up until now. We dare to ask you, Lord, for a little bit of that affection that you have for her. Help us to love your mother as you love your mother. To go to her for more things, for everything. As Blessed Alvaro would say, to put her in everything and for everything. In the novel Vanity Fair, Thackeray describes this little boy who... um, whose mother really didn't love him. And he says, O thou poor, lonely, little, benighted boy, mother is the name for God in the lips and hearts of little children. And here was one who was worshiping a stone. 
And on a natural level, that's true, right? To an infant, to a little child, his mother is, is the whole world. To an unborn child, mother is the entire universe, right? That's it's your whole environment. You exist in another person. And then for so long after birth, you exist in her care, because of her care, because of her love. Mother is the name for God in the lips and hearts of little children. And so it was for our Lord and his humanity. I mean, obviously we're not saying that he worshipped, okay, for everyone who's concerned about my orthodoxy out there. Obviously we're not saying that our Lord worshipped his mother as God in a formal, heretical kind of way, right? But, but that this, this dependence is real. The importance of his mother, because he was really human, was real. We want it to be real for us. St. Josemaria would say, put yourselves in the scenes of the gospel. Become another character there. Well, are we daring enough to take our Lord's place, to put ourselves in our Lord's place, in our, in our mother's arms, in our lady's arms? To let her take care of us as she took care of him, to depend on her as much as he depended on her. To replace the child. Or to become a second child, one that was found on the doorstep. Because people knew that Mary and Joseph were so generous that they would take care of us. Lord, let us peer into heaven today to see the reality of you and the reality of your plan. And we ask our Lady, increase our faith. Give us more faith. We want to believe that these things are real. If we don't believe that they're real, then there's no point. They're not just, they're not just happy stories. They're not just fables or legends. They're events and the realities that continue with us today that we make present again in a special way in the liturgy and the Mass that we celebrate today. Our Lady's faith, St. John Paul II called it the obedience of faith. But the faith that characterizes Our Lady is not just faith and propositions, but a real, existential, total faith in God's plan for her, the obedience of faith, to let those truths and the truth of God's relationship with her reach every aspect of her life, every aspect of her being. Say yes to it all, to second it all. And so when we ask Our Lady for faith, we especially ask her for that practical faith, the obedience of faith. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord, that compliment of St. Elizabeth to Our Lady. She doesn't just say, blessed is she who believed. 
but blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. That God was present, right? Helping her make her vocation a reality, helping her to fulfill all the potential that God saw in her. And our Lord points out in the gospel that what Our Lady does can be done by us. Who are my brothers and sisters and mother? Whoever fulfills the will of my Father in heaven is brother and sister and mother. What Our Lady does fundamentally, we don't have her special privileges, of course, but the essence of what Our Lady does, her yes to her vocation, can be done by us, and it's done by all the saints to greater or lesser degrees. And we're all called to sanctity. And this means that the mystery of the Incarnation lives on through the saints and can live on through me if I say fiat. Who are my brothers and sisters and mother? Who brings me into the world? Who's my mother? Who brings me into the world? Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven. Not just my, not just my mother Mary, but whoever does the will of my Father in heaven. And so today we dare to ask Our Lady for a greater, a greater generosity, a greater obedience of faith. Where, where, Mother Mary, am I resisting God's plan for me? Where am I resisting God's will for me? What do, I, what do I even refuse to talk to God about because I don't want to change it? And maybe we start there, right? Just start the, the process of a greater faith, of a greater conversion by telling God the things that we tend not to want to tell Him about because we don't want to change them. And then we bring them to spiritual direction or we bring them to confession if necessary. And we let God's grace in there the grace of obedience, the grace of faith in the church, the grace of the sacraments. The Mirabilia Day, the Magnalia Day, right? the great Mirabilia Day now is sanctity. And the wonder of Our Lady's Assumption is a wonder of the fruits of her sanctity, of what she let God do in her soul, of her fiat. And so on this Feast of the Assumption, we go to her, and we ask her that we too, in our own way, in our own smaller and humble and hidden way, we too become Mirabilia Day, wonders of God. The wonders of what God can do in a soul that says yes and a soul that truly believes. Our Lady, our Mother, assumed into heaven, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect, my Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.